Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Investigative Economics Podcast. I'm your host, uh, LaVon Jones. Uh, today's episode, episode nine, is uh, all things trains, uh, trains, trains, trains. We've had a number of stories on the subject, uh, and uh, one of them before the East Palestine uh, accident, uh, but the rest of them since. And uh, the East, Al- East Palestine or Palestine uh, accident has definitely uh, given a lot of attention to trains and the railroad industry, which is a good thing, sort of a world into itself that uh, a lot of people outside of it don't hear about, mainly because you know, most of it revolves around freight uh, and, you know, and there's passenger train Amtrak and, uh, and the others. Uh, but it, it, you know, not a, it's not a huge focus of transportation in the U.S., or not as it used to be at least. Um, but it's good to, to shine some light on the subject to see what's going on there. And, uh, and East Palestine or Palestine uh, is a good uh, entryway into that about uh, the number that you'll keep hearing uh, that, uh, you know, Secretary of Transportation uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, has mentioned and many of others have is that there's a thousand derailments a year, uh, which is a lot. Um, you know, it's hard to uh, understand if a thousand is a lot because, well, you know, you know, if you compare it to car accidents, there's many more than a thousand car accidents a year, but trains don't go cover, there are not as many trains as there are cars in the United States. There's not as many miles of track as there are road, but considering the number of train miles, that's sort of the common metric of the railroad industry about, you know, uh, or sometimes it's, uh, you know, per passenger mile for uh, passenger trains, sort of the amount that's traveled essentially by, by the train systems uh, and how many accidents happen per train mile is a good gauge of, um, of like how often these accidents are happening, if it's going up, if it's going down, uh, how bad is it? And um, one of the first stories we had, and this is before East Palestine, it was actually one of the first stories on investigative economics, was that um, that uh, that uh, that highway uh, rail crossings were a growing source of accidents in the United States. That and kind of understand what these are. It's where the road meets the tra- train line. That uh, when the arms go down, the the the, the bell starts ringing saying, you know, don't cross trains about to come. Uh, this is a source of many accidents and it's a, the source of the most, uh, uh, fatalities and injuries related to train accidents. What, while there are a thousand derailments each year, not, you know, and not all, each one of those, it results in somebody getting injured. A lot of times it's a freight train where there's not a lot of people on board. Uh, but these uh, rail uh, highway crossings are pretty dangerous. I mean, a lot of that's because sometimes there's somebody in that car. Uh, it's a you know, truck trying to get by at the last second. Um, and, you know, just somebody who just was, wasn't patient enough and tried to sneak past. And uh, or I've heard, you know, sometimes this car got stuck on the road. Sometimes it's people you know, trying to commit, commit suicide and things like that. Uh, you know, horrible things. Um and then the person in the vehicle uh, suffers the main uh, injuries there. And um, and if you know, there's one thing to take away from this podcast is, you know, don't try and brush past the tracks there. It's just not a good idea. Um, and that uh, that in general, they had been going down, that uh, the number per uh, train mile, per thousand train mile, had been going down for, for years and years and years uh, based on uh, Department of Transportation data. And all of a sudden, around uh, 2012, it starts going up again. 
uh, which is strange, which is really unique because in general, like a lot of things, uh, you know, improvements to, you know, they add more uh, protections, warnings for people, you know, don't cross the tracks here. You know, the, the arms go down. They put more of those in some locations and in, in a lot of like rural locations. They're just, there isn't much of anything um, uh, to warn you that there, you know, there might be a train coming or how soon it might be coming, that sort of thing. Uh, and that just with time and more, you know, uh, more warnings and things like that, the accidents are fewer and fewer. Um, but no, they're, they're starting to go up and, and what's up with that. And, uh, that opens up sort of a, a one of the first uh, forays into the world of the railroad industry about one of the debates that's been happening. A number of them revolve around, you know, like new technology for railroad safety that, um, and a big one is uh, positive train control, PTC. Uh, and essentially it's sort of, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say automated train uh, uh, engineering conducting, uh, but it's, you know, getting towards that. It's sort of, it, or it might be more akin to like, if you know of a, the, a governor on a, on a car, you know, if you have a rental truck or something like that, these things that uh, prevent you from going over 60 miles per hour on the highway, very annoying. Uh, you know, like it cuts off the gas. Um, and so, I mean, it's, you know, it's a good, it may be a good thing to maybe, so you don't speed too much, but sometimes you need to go over 60 miles per hour. Um, and that uh, there's been a huge push to have those on trains because to, to lower the number of accidents and the railroad industry is, you know, generally against it. Um, that, uh, uh, and there's a congressional research service uh, report on this saying that uh, the, 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 the number of accidents it would prevent are minor um, and that most accidents happen in rail yards. And that's where the positive train control, this like limiting of speed is that, you know, meant to be out sort of on the, akin to the, the open rail, the open road of, uh, of trains so that, you know, you're not going hundred miles per hour around a bend and the whole thing uh, falls off the tracks. Um, that those accidents don't happen that much. They do happen and some of them are very expensive. So there, there is some concern there, but, um, so how, how much could it be helping, you know, is it, would it help enough that the, the potential cost of positive train control across the whole railroad industry, I think is estimated at over 14 billion. So it is a lot. It's not just essentially just, you know, adding an iPod onto uh, each train, which, you know, wouldn't be much. Uh, it's, there's something a lot more involved there, at least based on those estimates, if those estimates are correct. Um, but and, and positive train control is already being implemented. It's just sort of how is is it going to be required on all trains, and uh, at what what speed? You know how 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 fast does it have to be implemented by? So so sixty six percent of freight lines already have it, and two percent of passenger lines already have it as of twenty eighteen. So it might be different by now, but. When uh, coming across this highway rail, uh, the number of highway rail accidents uh, going up, you're sort of like, well, isn't that isn't that like one of the main ones that positive train control is supposed to stop? It's supposed to prevent the speeding uh, that might, you know, when somebody sees a, a car in the middle of the tracks, so that if they're going 100 miles per hour, they're not. There's no way they're going to be able to stop for that. Um, and that's, uh, you know, is it, with positive train control, maybe they would limit them to 60 miles per hour and, uh, and they would be able to stop. Um, but it doesn't seem to be happening, at least for those, those freight lines and passenger lines that have it implemented. 
Uh, so, you know, you'd think the, the number of highway rail accidents would be going down even faster based on just the, the, the amount that's uh, positive train control has been uh, implemented or the number of derailments would be going down, but that's has not been the case. Um, uh, and we'll, I'll get to some numbers on derailments in a little bit, but uh, the highway rail one has been going up. Uh, derailments in general have not been going up. Um, so neither one seems to be uh, affected by positive train control. Um, and uh, there's one, one example of that, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll give a little, uh, some comparisons also to uh, Canada, the Canadian rail. Um, has not seen that increase in uh, in highway rail accidents at all. Like it, it continues to go down in Canada, um, and they haven't implemented positive train control whatsoever. And the the the, the, the previous president of the Rail, railway railway association of Canada, the RAC, uh, General Gauthier, called PTC costly and and unproven, sort of similar to what the U.S. Uh, railroad industry was saying, but they haven't implemented whatsoever. And uh, there's something something different that has happened with uh, with Canada. While they haven't had those highway rail accidents, they have had a growth in excess speed accidents. So trains just sort of falling off the tracks uh, from going too fast or hitting a, a tie, uh, something going wrong while they're going when excess speed is considered the the, the main cause. Um, and that's been going up kind of distinctly. So, which is just the, uh, uh, in a way, I, I got to say the numbers are just odd all over the place. In general, uh, it's for, you know, a long time, Canada's, those excess speed accidents were kind of the same. So, you know, what would cause them to go up, you know, uh, whether or not they have positive train control, ignore positive train control for a second. Like, why would they start having more accidents across the whole Canadian rail system? but not have more accidents related to highway rail, you know, when somebody's on the tracks, which is, you know, one thing that excess speed limitations would, you know, you would think would, uh, would help. So it doesn't totally make a lot of sense. It doesn't sort of, uh, support the idea of uh, d uh, positive train control all over the place. Cause it seems like something else is going on there that they haven't identified. Uh, and there's mainly, you know, maybe keeping cars off the tracks might be a bigger issue. Um, and I, uh, one example, and we'll talk about this one a little bit more, is the uh, is the 2015 the Philadelphia Amtrak uh, crash. It was a major, major crash. One of the I think the biggest that year, one of the biggest in the last uh, ten years, uh, or even twenty years maybe, um, was was re related to excess speed and going around a pretty you know, large turn outside of Philadelphia, and. You know, and there was a lot of debate about positive train control around that. Uh, but what happened in in the wake of that is that uh, the uh, a number of train lines implemented cameras in the car of the engineer in the engineer's car at the front, uh, and the implication being that they suspected that the engineer wasn't paying attention. You know, there's got there's probably some detail to that, uh, maybe in the. Um, NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Bureau, uh, analysis of that one, because so, I don't want to sort of put blame on it, but that's what the I feel like the railroad industry's uh, reaction to that was, sort of saying that 
that maybe this guy was on his phone or just not paying attention for some other reason. And that does appear if for some of the um, accident reports on the NTSB site that I saw, there's a, there's a number of that. It's not a major, major issue, but it's, it's something that's, you know, potentially f- easily fixable um, that uh, of people, you know, not paying attention, not, uh, not being aware there's some, you know, alcohol uh, issues and things like that. Um so, uh, so yeah, there's other issues besides speed that are, uh, at stake here or, uh, at issue that, um, uh, so it, it seems like maybe the, the railroad, railroad industry does have a point that PTC isn't this sort of salvation for every, all the accidents here. Um, and it, and what they were getting at, and we'll get to, cause that, that's like one small piece of the train accident. A world that um, that that these these the speed aspect of it that and what going back to what the, the railroad industry was saying that you know most accidents happen in rail yards is <clears throat> is sort of clear, helps clarify some of the issues. Um, it's not everything, but that is a huge aspect to it. That most of these accidents are in rail yards, uh, and it has to do with loading. And unloading, it's like when the cars are not going very fast. It's like when people are moving things around. And um, so that's like to say, it, yeah, that's when derailments can happen, when things are, you know, a train might be going 20 miles per hour uh, after it's being loaded down with, you know, you got 100 cars on a train uh, and things can go awry there. You know, it's, it's industrial machinery, accidents happen. Um that, that also doesn't explain everything because it is we've since the East Palestine uh, accident, you know, we've started to hear about all these other derailments that have been happening. Uh, I think there's been a couple in Ohio even since then um, that uh, and what's even though that most of them are happening in real yards, that some of them are related to speed, but speed, it doesn't seem to be totally the, the reason. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of money involved in all of it that the train companies uh, pay out millions and millions each year. Uh, you know, the to- the totals for the whole railroad industry are in billions for the, these accidents that happen and which is pretty crazy by itself. And then, then they have even you know hundreds of millions in uh, casualty uh, funds that they just hold out just in case there's a massive, massive accident. You know, and part of that's, you know, sort of reasonable. If you're running like a large passenger line like Amtrak, you know, there's a lot of people who could be injured if a bad accident happens. But a lot of these are, you know, freight lines um, with just, you know, that's, you know, they have the loss of the commodity. There's not a lot of, you know, they, they, they can wind up paying for, you know, uh, employee injuries and things like that. And I'll get into some details like that. But, uh, You'd think that wouldn't be the accident cost would be that large. I mean, the the trains get damaged, that sort of thing. But they're paying, you know, hundreds of millions a year. Um, And if it's all just like accidents in a a yard um, that can, you know, maybe half the time the train can be put back on the tracks, you know, what else is happening here? What's going on? And so the next story we're getting into is um, about how liability costs, which is a, a major source of the cost that the, the railroads pay out each year is, um, 
you know, it's a, I don't know how, know what percentage, but it's a huge amount. Uh, and that's, you know, for injuries and, um, uh, property damage and things like that. Uh, the number of accidents disappeared right after those liability limits were put in place. So I, this is in 2007 and it was the, um, the Surface Transportation and Rail Security Act of that year passed by Congress, and it limited the the liability of, of railroads from accidents to 200 million per event, which is, it's a lot. Um, I mean, maybe some of these accidents, they deserve to be, it's there's more than 200 million. If you talk about like the Lac-Megantique accident in Quebec, um, which is, I mean, that was such a massive, it essentially destroyed that that town. Uh, was that 2013? Um, that, I mean, maybe that that one would, uh, who knows how much that actually uh, cost because no, the train completely destroyed, the houses destroyed, how many people were killed. Horrible, horrible uh, situation. But, I mean, this $200 limit on liability, it limited the amount of payment that the, the railroads uh, were having to pay out each year in total and individually. Um but it also seemed to limit the number of accidents, which is really weird. Um, like, why would why would safety be suddenly? I mean, maybe the you, why would safety go uh, up just because of the amount of uh, the, the amount of payout that was ha- happening, which is unique. Um, that uh, there's something really odd there. Like, what was going on? Were people to like not wanting to crash a train just because they wouldn't get paid out as much, or maybe they were just like, Oh, okay, I guess I got to be a little more safe. Uh, this is a little speculation there. I have no idea. Maybe there's some other sort of ancillary uh, reaction from that bill that something buried in it that, uh, would have caused, um, you know, trains to run in a safer fashion. Uh, not not that I can tell, but uh, it's it really seems like something else is going on there. Uh, and the, the 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 number of accidents and uh, number of co- the liability costs paid out have just continued to decline from there. It's 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 gone down pretty much every year, except for the years of the, the Lac Megantique disaster and the the Philadelphia crash in 2015. Um, and uh, and, and and also in 2019, uh, 2019 and twenty eighteen, there was something else that happened that uh, made them uh, the cost and accident spike. Um, but generally, they've just kept kept going down and down each year. Um, and that uh, and when I'm talking about like the number of accidents, so we mentioned derailments. There's a thousand a year, but there's a lot more accidents accidents that happen, and a lot of these are like you know this includes just like really super minor accidents that like no cost, nobody's injured, nothing happens. They put the train back on the tracks, uh, but at a time it was like forty thousand a year of those, and that's sort of that's very inclusive. But that includes everything that could um, uh, could potentially, you know, lead to a liability cost. Um, yeah. So these, these rail, rail, rail lines pay out hundreds of millions in settlements each year. Uh, and they, they can also be, uh, liable for personal employee injuries under the federal employees liability act, uh, FILA, uh, is a unique thing because I think some of the rail workers are considered sort of federal employees. Uh, so there's a lot more that can be paid out for employee liabilities, um, uh, rather outside of workman's compensation, the general one that, you know, if you're working for a private company would give you, 
uh, like in 2019, BNSF uh, had casual casualty claims of uh, 100, over 115 million that for personal injuries, occupational injuries, environmental cleanup, and anything else. Union Pacific, 211 million, Amtrak, 119 million in 2018. And then their their reserves, they have CSX has over 300 million in reserves. Amtrak was 235 million in 2019. And, that, they, and not, besides all of this, there's the legal battles that go on, the legal costs that they have to deal with. And so um, like CSX has... Um, it pays out, it has a huge amount of payments in legal costs. Uh, and in 2007, they uh, had a, they brought a, a civil racketeering case under the RICO act, which is a, you know, you know, that's sort of like accusing a, of a conspiracy. Uh, and they were successful in it against a group that were fraud, making uh, fraudulent asbestos claims against the rail company using phony medical results. So they had like a doctor, uh, um, you know, uh, giving f- fake diagnosis of, you know, as- asbestos poisoning so that they could sue the, the railroad industry. That's just one incident. So it's just anecdote, but you know, there's, you can see that that could potentially be something else that's happening in larger numbers. Um, uh, I mean, I've already mentioned the, the Philadelphia train derailments. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they were, that was one where people thought positive train control should have slowed down the train. Um, and, uh, I think this is a total guess cause I don't know all of the ins and outs of positive train control, but it's sort of like why it's so complicated and so expensive is that it has to identify, you know, turns in the road and things like that, um, to know, to gauge what the actual proper speed should be as opposed to an engineer who knows the line and can, you know, has their own eyes that can see like, oh, we got a big turn coming up here. Um, so uh, and then there's in 2005, there's this uh, Metrolink, the train line out around uh, Los Angeles, uh, a massive derailment. Uh, I think there was a decent amount of injuries there caused by this guy who was uh, attempting to commit suicide and he like parked his train on the tracks. Um, but they, and he left, uh, he left the car, even though I guess he, you know, the, he said that he was attempting to commit suicide, but decided against it, but left his car there causing this huge, massive accident. Um, and what, uh, the, 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 some were accusing the, the, the guy of not, ju- not just a flawed suicide attempt, but he was actually intentional and it's sort of kind of considered an act of ter- terrorism that sabotaging the train. So there's some accusations going on that these, some of these things are intentional and why are they doing that? Um, yeah, it's, um, you can only speculate about, uh, so that's one accident uh, aspect of it, of why, why all these accidents are happening. A little understanding of why they're going down. Uh, in general, derailments have not gone down. I was mentioning that the total number of accidents have gone down, but derailments have not. They they they, they declined at some point, but uh, um, but uh, in the last like ten years, they haven't really gone down that much. I, I have to pull up the numbers to really see. But um, but what? Getting back to what uh, the one aspect that most accidents uh, happen in rail yards, um, and that a lot of the most of them are human caused. I mean, accidents. You know, people make mistakes. It's large industrial machinery. It's can, can be complicated stuff. Or you know, people are do dumb things. That all that all the possibilities within that. Um, 
and uh and but a total accident train accidents cost um and we're not talking i don't think this includes all of the liability stuff but it costs about 310 million dollars a year uh for 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 all of the accidents that happen um and uh so one aspect of those accidents and a lot of these that happen in, in the rail yards and outside of rail yards is hazmat uh, accidents. And that's um, so like there's this one crash in 2007 uh, in o Oneida, New York was uh, caused by a broken rail and a leak of vinyl chloride like in East Palestine, Palestine and uh, 6.7 in million in cleanup costs. So um, that's a lot. Um, that's a lot of money. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know that much about vinyl chloride, but, uh, I mean, it seems like it's very explosive, like it, like the explosion that happened in East Palestine. Uh, but so I don't know how, if that's reasonable or not, or excessive, or maybe it should, it's too small, but it's a big deal either way. The amount of money they got paid is, is a lot. Um, and, uh, and uh, just that uh, the number uh, that have been caused by humans that as a percentage of all of the uh, keeps going up. So while that one is like a broken rail, that might be sort of some of the, the exception that, uh, that in general, you'd think that uh, in general, things tend to either be flat or go down as, uh, as time goes on that like, there are improvements to safety, technology, standards, people, the mistakes that happened in the past don't get repeated. But the fact that human accidents are increasing is kind of a surprising thing. That um, track accidents, track causes like the one in Oneida have gone down as a percentage um, of the cause of accidents. But human ones uh, being the major cause and going up is is surprising, and some of the sub causes in, that are listed in the data, uh, the major ones are it's like switch improperly lined, um, and this is so some there's going to be some railway nerd that's going to uh, uh, crucify me for this sort of stuff, but uh, so so apologies in advance for getting this, some of these details wrong. But the switch improperly lined is like one of the most major uh, causes, and I imagine that's like when you're you know uh, connecting uh, switching tracks between one line and another. Um, you know, a train's going one way, but then now they want the train to go to this other line. Is that when that switch doesn't happen all the way, doesn't get lined up with the track, then that's when a derailment can happen. Uh, cause it's, it's not on the track anymore. It gets, uh, it gets tripped up by, um, uh, the inaccuracy there. Um, highway user inattentiveness is another big one. And a lot of that's, uh, at the highway rail crossing or, uh, the, essentially it's, you know, this, whoever was in the car wasn't paying attention or they're trying to, you know, just run past the tracks, uh, because they were impatient. Um, and a, a massive, uh, accident happens. Got defective or missing cross ties. That sounds like sort of like an uh, equipment failure or issue. A shoving movement sounds like when one train hits another one, maybe in a rail yard. Um, absence of a man on or at a leading end of a movement. That sounds like you know somebody wasn't there to help uh, align the trains to uh, when they're trying to connect one car with another car. Failure to comply with a restricted speed. 
that's again towards that uh, positive train control sort of thing. And um, again, that can happen. That might not necessarily be on, out on the open rail, but could be in the rail yards so that somebody is going too fast uh, in the rail yard, slammed into another train, that sort of thing. Um, so uh, according to the Congressional Research uh, Service report that uh, derailment is the primary type of rail accident. And that's when you get those, that 1,000 number a year uh, number comes from. And the leading cause of derailments is a flaw in real, steel rail. So I usually like <clears throat> CRS reports. They're usually very authoritative, very neutral, politically neutral, and you get into a lot of details that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, <clears throat> this one seems really odd because the Department of Transportation uh, data seems to not say that. It seems to say that... <clears throat> Uh, human causes are much more significant. Uh, it only the, the data only says there's about 507 track-related derailments in a year, where, and this is for 2019, whereas the CRS report is saying <clears throat> almost 1,300. Um, and while there were more track-related derailments than any other cause in 2019, that was kind of an anomaly they, it's almost like they chose 2019 to highlight track related derailments um, uh, because every other year it, there's nowhere close to that uh, number. Um, and human uh, derailment caused derailments are, uh, are regularly, every other year, they're the most common cause. Um, 33 to 41% a year. Track related issues are more along 20 to 25%. Um, and while, and we'll get a little more into the hazmat issues, hazardous material stuff, because that is a huge, significant part of all of this. That the, the CRS report says they're rare, 0.69 times for every 100,000 hazmat carloads, and that 99.999% of hazmat carloads reach their destination without the release of a dangerous substance. And while that actually might be true, I'm a little skeptical because they got the other, there's very misleading in the other part of the report about uh, you know the flaws in steel being the issue, uh, that while the, the number might be small, but the, the importance is very large because we're talking about that Oneida accident, that there's millions and millions and millions that get uh, paid out. Um, the scale, the cost of scale of these accidents goes up by a significant portion when there's hazardous material on the train. And uh, and so, like getting into the cost per accident, um, it's uh, the cost incurred by an accident is, is likely higher from mechanical and track issues, what's rock, roadbed, and structure related issues. Um, those are the most common cause of accident, uh, expensive cause of accident. Uh, the average cost is around $200,000 per accident. You know, that's that's not a lot when we're talking, we were just talking about, you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars per accident. So 200,000 isn't that much. So, but that's like an average over all the accidents. And again, like a lot of these accidents, some of these accidents, there's like no cost whatsoever. Um, so sort of, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, and that the most expensive uh, specific cause, like the sort of the sub cause are related to flag and signaling errors. Um, 
and that's sort of like getting into the, sort of the human cause of issues. So, you know, the, the, again, this is industrial, you know, activity, these things happen. It's hard to read into what that means of, you know, is there, does there need to be more maintenance for train lines? Um, but what's more glaring, what stands out a lot more is the hazardous material issue. Um, the average cost of an accident where there's hazardous materials uh, were damaged or leaked is on average 10 times that of another accident. So $1.3 million per accident, as opposed to the 200,000 I talked about for rock and roadbed related issues. And uh, the most common cause of a hazmat accident is a loading procedure. It's getting it towards, I think, a, a little bit of a better explanation of what we're, what seems to be happening. Loading procedures um, in the rail yard, potentially human cause, potentially not. Um, but with a hazardous material, you know, something gets spilled, a lot of money, ha there's a lot of money at stake. If you've got something really um, toxic in that train, something like vinyl chloride or something else, um, a lot of money is going to get spent. Um, that's just the case. And, um, and we've already mentioned the, the PTC issue about, um, uh, about how much that, that may not uh, affect that many things. Um, and I also mentioned about how like there's not that many people on the, these freight cars. There's fewer and fewer people. That's been a, a, an argument by, I think, labor, labor organizations that they want more people on the train to make sure that there's not any accidents happening. But uh, a lot of these trains are getting, they're getting longer and longer. Um, and that they don't need that many people on the train. Essentially, they just need the, the engineer. At least that's what the railroad industry is, uh, kind of seems to be pushing for. Um, but to be honest, uh, the number of accidents uh, has not like really uh, changed a lot. I mean, the, the number of accidents, you'd think that with fewer people, there'd be more accidents. But in general, the number of accidents are going down. Um, uh, while the number of train cars in the, involved in an accident is going up. So while I, I could sort of see that like they might need some more people, it doesn't seem like that really is the, the crux of the issue. Um, uh, that, uh, you know, that's, uh, I, I kind of, you know, kind of feel for him that just the, the train industry used to employ a lot more people than it, it currently does. Um, and so you kind of, you know, that it's, it's a bit of, um, you know, my sympathies go out to, you know, sort of, you know, the people that have, you know, used to work on the rails, probably the opportunity is not there anymore. Uh, probably was were good jobs and things like that. But I don't know if it really is, you know, the the lack of employees are causing these accidents. Uh, there seems to be something else at stake. Um, but getting back to hazardous material and how they uh, factor into these accidents is that, um, Property damage makes up 40% of the hazmat accident costs um, when it's dealing with trains. And that's, that's, that's unique. That seems, uh, that's interesting that um, we've already mentioned like, you know, uh, how much money is at stake in, in some of these accidents. And, uh, and when you compare it to like accidents that happen uh, through other uh, means of transportation, like highways, Air, airline shipping, uh, shipping, uh, you know, waterway shipping, um, 
well, the vast majority of hazardous material accidents, and this is not from D Department of Transportation data. This is PIMSA, the you know Pipeline and uh, Hazardous Material Safety Administration uh, that handles this data, and they they sort of track all these uh, modes of transportation, and uh, like the most the number of accidents by far a highway. It's like it's over five times what it is for rail and air. And uh, we, I don't have numbers about how much hazardous material is being transported by highway versus rail, but I mean it's it's the number of accidents are uh, much much that's that's a lot more accidents, and you kind of can imagine that like there are more cars on the road, uh, hack accidents happen, and they're not as big of a deal some of the time or a decent amount of time. Speculation on my part, um, and while uh, the, the, the number of accidents that happen and, and highway accidents also lead to the, the most costs, uh, like it's like 1.4 billion, um, in the data of hazardous material and if that's cleanup and all the other damage that happens. Um, but a railroad railway accident, hazmat accidents are not that far behind. It's about, it's like one third the cost but there's like it's almost like one tenth the number of events. So the, the cost per accident for a train accident with hazardous material is much larger, much much larger. Um, and uh, and a lot of it would it would go up. Uh, it's in um, this is back in 1990. The uh, U.S. passed the Hazardous Materials Transportation Uniform Safety Act, and there's this other one, the Hazardous Materials. Authorization Act uh, a few years later, um, and essentially it just made them uh, made more chemicals have to be reported as hazardous materials and uh, more considered as hazardous materials. Um, more reported, more considered hazardous materials. Uh, kind of the same thing, um, but the number of transportation uh, hazmat accidents have continued to go up even since those uh, those reporting requirements have changed. And, and and with it also the the costs uh, of each hazmat accident, um, and that and sort of getting to sort of the source of this the story is that uh, or the the sort of the main line of the story is that property damage is much more significant with a train accident, and that's why these train accidents are much more expensive. You might think that oh you know trains they're they're bigger there, you know, you can have a hundred cars on a train, whereas a, a, a one truck is just one truck uh, on the highway. But it's a lot of it has to do with property damage and 40% of the accident costs on average uh, are property damage as opposed to a highway accidents, 14%. Um, and, you know, trains re regularly run closer to private land as opposed to an accident on a highway. There's usually not any, uh, private land is not that close or, you know, if it's close by, it's, it's, it's farmland, uh, nothing that could be, uh, nothing large that could be damaged unless you're like in a city or something like that. You know, there's exceptions to all of this, or, you know, you happen to be driving on a, you know, a, a small country road, but it, more often that trains are running by, they, trains are, go, they can go pretty fast through like right outside of cities, like, like Philadelphia or something like that. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean that like highway accidents don't can cannot cause a large amount of uh, damage that uh, 
In 2010, is this Burbank, California highway gasoline spill cost uh, 27 million, uh, and uh, 20 million of that was property damage. I, I imagine that's because it it affected a lot of cars. That uh, that if that if you spill enough, if uh, if gasoline catches on fire and doesn't evaporate, uh, that can destroy a lot of cars all at once. Um, so it can happen in, on highways, but we're focusing on trains for the moment just because train episode of the uh, podcast. But and for trains, it was in uh, 2015, it was this Mount Carbon, West Virginia derailment, CSX car, 107 cars of crude oil, just a massive line of cars, uh, crash and burn from a broken rail, $23 million in damages, 10 million of it was property damage. Uh, that it must have been some houses near the train line uh, that got damaged, uh, but there's a, there's plenty of examples like that. Um, Painesville, Ohio, massive crash. Baltimore, Maryland, Dune, Iowa, Elkhorn City, Kentucky. Um, and it was in 2004 that uh, that regulations changed to include um, incident reporting for uh, property damage. That so there's no data before that. I don't know if there's any property damage that had to be paid out by uh, by accidents uh, prior to that, but that's when the data shows that it like really started. And just um, other other source of costs, just for us sort of background information, is that uh, the response costs, like if you have to pay out for uh, fire and medical services, um, can be a pretty significant one. Uh, what is it? Material loss. You know, if you spill a lot of oil, oil costs a lot of money. Um, uh, Some of the smaller ones are the carrier costs. Like if the train uh, damaged the train uh, and then there's a remediation cleanup costs, actually cleanup costs are actually not that big of a deal. I feel like you hear a lot about that, that uh, that's like people complain about the EPA's requirements and things like that. But it sounds like cleanup costs are, are, are minimal. It's almost, it's like, less than it's almost 10 percent at most uh uh overall uh sorry yeah one yeah less than one tenth of one percent uh for um for cleanup costs of hazardous materials you think that would be a big deal you have to get all these people there i don't know how you you know you how you deal with vinyl chloride maybe maybe setting it on fire is a, is a good thing sometimes <laughs> like it uh it just evaporates um but a lot of time, it's there is no not much of a cleanup cost. Um, uh, that and that uh, fatalities and injuries are actually relatively uncommon, which is a good thing. Uh, that there's only been 43 in the last 20 years. Uh, none ha- none occurred between 2007 and 2014. Um, but people are just very careful those years. I don't know. Injuries have gone down. Only eight recorded in two, 2022. Um, 10 years ago, it was 124 a year. So uh, people are getting better about um, not throwing vinyl chloride on their face, I guess, uh, um, or whatever's happening in these incidents, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, you know, um, but w- when you're talking about like which chemicals are being spilled here, uh, it's uh, it, most of the time it's petroleum, petroleum and its derivatives, petroleum, distillate, diesel, any of the variations on petroleum, crude oil, um, and t- totally reasonable. I mean, that's 
what is like the most common chemical. That's what we need to run all of our cars and everything else. Um, so that's going to be probably the most commonly transported material. And, uh, and that's, that's what gets spilled the most. Um, crude oil spills from trains accounted for 23 million in property damage by itself. Um, and that's just the property damage, not including the response and material loss, all that sort of thing. But the only, the w- one that comes closest, uh, cause everything, the numbers drop off after petroleum, uh, are alcohols, which is like kind of an odd one. Cause it's sort of like, uh, $17 million in property damage from train spills in the last, uh, how many years? Um, like alcohols, you know, like it's not, not vodka and whiskey. Uh, uh, in, on average, uh, accidents involving alcohol had few resulting costs. Uh, there's some, there's some issues with the labeling cause there's a general alcohols, uh, that's like the vast majority of, uh, accidents and, and costs that are in the data. But there are others that are li- that list the individual type of alcohol, like isopropyl alcohol. Uh, but the, the numbers are a little smaller there. So in general, the number should be higher if you included all of those together, but without sort of a chemistry degree, it's, you get a little tricky just because it says alcohol in the name. Is it technically an alcohol in the sort of general alcohol category? Did, uh, either way, their numbers weren't that uh, large to, to warrant, um, uh, to, to, to prevent, uh, sort of reporting on it. So, um, Alcohol is less than a, a million dollars in property damage in for highway spills, not much at all. Uh, the average total damage per accident that involved alcohol was less than $11,000. And that's like nowhere near the sort of most expensive commodities that in these highway spills, where you're talking about these like probably really toxic stuff like chlorobenzol or sodium chlorate or uranium hexafluoride, which seems like a really, uh, you know, dangerous one. It's radioactive used in nuclear reactors and weapons. Uh, uh, although those really actually don't, uh, cause as much damage as diesel fuel, because I feel like diesel fuel is, is very volatile. It doesn't take much to start a fire. Um, but uh, it's also, but again, they're less common. There's less uranium hexafluoride being shipped all over the place. We don't have the numbers on how much each of these are being shipped. This is just sort of, you know, back of the envelope sort of guess of like, uh, we are not shipping as much uranium hexafluoride, nowhere close to it as uh, diesel fuel. That's for sure. Um, but the vast majority of highway accidents involving alcohols resulted in zero costs. But that's highway. But when it's on by train, for some reason, the, the numbers go through the roof. Um, uh, that uh, large amounts of property damage happen with alcohol, chemical alcohol spills on a train. Um, and most of them since 2010, for whatever reason. And that, uh, that, uh, that this alcohol is accounted for $23 million in property damage. Most of it, uh, by, sorry, sorry, not, uh, not 23 million, 17 million if for train spills, even though it's less than 1 million for highway spills. Maybe that's just that people like to ship alcohol by train a lot more than by, by highway. 
but that's just, that's a huge discrepancy. It's almost like, or something else is happening there where alcohol is just spilling all over the place. And it just happens to be on somebody's property and which I, I'm a little confused about how alcohols cause so much damage because in general, I don't think they're particularly flammable as compared. I mean, they are flammable. It depends on which one, but nowhere close to like that of diesel fuel. Uh, uh, and that enough to damage massive amounts of property before and has to be ignited before it evaporates because it evaporates quite qu quickly. Um, all very odd. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, there's some oddities in all of that that don't make a lot of sense. Um, but it, I, I hope that sort of gives a little background into like what's where all these accidents are coming from uh, that again, you know, there's going to be accidents that happen all the time. Um, and that uh, just like there are car accidents there, you know, you can't, uh, you can't prevent every accident. But there seems to be oddities that are happening about why there's so many are happening in rail yards, why there's so many costs involved, uh, so many property, so much property damage, so much property damage when shipping alcohols, um, and uh, why so much of it went down when uh, liability limits went in place. Um, that one just by itself is sort of glaring about like, well, why did people did people just realize that they didn't have to cause an accident with a train just because they, they wouldn't have to pay out as much money. It's, it's strange. Well, anyhow, uh, anyhow I hope you un, uh, enjoyed and uh, look forward to a uh, upcoming podcast on uh, the financial crisis of 2008. Uh, a little uh, historical in nature, but uh, got a lot to talk about, but uh, look forward to it.